Welcome to Crack the Customer Code, where your hosts, Jeannie and Adam, unlock the secrets to keeping your customers happy and coming back for more. Sometimes, Jeannie, I really just am unhappy about the fact that we are audio only, because if we were video, you could see me giving you a shrug. Wow. You know there are emojis for that, so you could just send me one of those. I could, but I'm not 12. Um, so anyway, you're a hundred. <laughs> Don't start. Anyways, now I'm doubling down on my shrug and adding a scowl. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, they have emojis for that too. Good Lord. I hate to break it to you. And I know this is very off topic and we have a guest who deserves our attention, but you're not 12 either, Janie. No, but I, I, I'm not afraid of emojis. <laughs> You're not afraid of, <laughs> I'm afraid of emojis and what they represent. There you go. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so my shrug, tell, yes. tell, tell everybody what the shrug reference was about, Jeannie. Well, I think it's, it's something that we've come to realize is the meh response. <laughs> meh. <laughs> meh. You're so and, hip and young. Huh? And... Uh, Today, the reason it came up in our conversation today with Lena Renee is because we were talking about how loyalty should be defined in these different ways than it could be right now. And and really, how do we get to that place where we can create loyalty that's meaningful, not just based on kind of points or rewards or things like that, but that like feeling that we have of being loyal to one another. And when you get shrugged at, that's something that I don't think you would put in that creating loyalty category. <laughs> well, right. It's how do we get, how do we create that loyalty and how do we get our frontline teams to yeah. do the things and exhibit the attitudes and behaviors we need in order to create that loyalty. And when they shrug at the customers, this is not how it is done. No, we have established this much in the episode, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Lena was fantastic. She had some really neat stuff, and she has the most fantastic title for a book ever. Which uh, I'm, I'm sure we're gonna drop. We're gonna look see what I'm doing, Jeannie. I'm doing a little hook, which you can hear if you stick <laughs> around for Lena's bio and interview. Wow. So should I just jump in now? Cause you, yeah, because <laughs> I set the hook. Well, you're supposed to have some delay before the payoff. That's how the thing works. But sure, oh. just pay it off right now. Go ahead, Janie. <laughs> well, there's a reason that we're talking about the title of this book, because Lena Renee is the author of Leading Loyalty, Cracking the Code to Customer Devotion. I mean, da, how can da, we da, not da. love that? <laughs> we, we love need, that title. We really need sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> Lena Renee is Franklin Covey's vice president of consulting. She has been with Franklin Covey for over 13 years and has worked with hundreds of organizations to develop great leaders and create organizational greatness. Lena has a master's degree in economics from the University of Utah. She is the co-author of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, The Five Choices and the recent Leading Loyalty Cracking the Code to Customer Devotion. See, I said it again just because it's so good. Lena, we're so thrilled that you could join us for the show today. Thanks for being here. Hey, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Lena, we are so happy to have you. And we feel like this is a match made in heaven here at Crack the Customer Code because you did write the book, Leading Loyalty, Cracking the Code to Customer <laughs> Devotion. It really is a good match, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So we obviously, we love your title and we love your topic about loyalty. So what are some ways that organizations and individuals can inspire loyalty? And I mean, true loyalty, not 
the kind that comes from reward programs and incentives. Yeah, I love the question. I love that in your question, you differentiate between the two types of loyalty. We found the same thing in our research and writing. There is loyalty of convenience, right? I'm, I'm loyal because you're the store that's closest to me, or I like your rewards program. And then there is this kind of true, fierce loyalty. And we know that the behaviors associated with each of those types of behaviors is very different. In other words, if I'm loyal to an organization out of convenience, I'm going to behave differently. And you know this, your listeners know this. If I'm truly loyal, right, that heartfelt loyalty, I will spend more money with you over time. I'll spend more money in each transaction. I'll forgive mistakes, give feedback. And most importantly, I'm going to become your strongest sales or marketing force. I'll talk about you. I'll talk you up. So so really two different types of loyalty. And, and, and at the core of this, um, it's how you make people feel. Right. It's about it's about the emotion. We like to think that we're rational decision makers in our purchasing, but it's actually not true. And behavioral economics shows that there's more emotion than we might want to admit. So so really, it's how do you make your customers feel when they engage with you? Well, and I think that's something that uh, we can't deny anymore. Right. Like, yes, we're all business people and we need to look at the logical thing. But I think everybody has to just kind of accept the fact that we're humans <laughs> and that we are driven by our emotions, whether we sometimes know it or not, and all of those things. And, you know, I'm wondering, what do you think about the people who are really often the face of the brand, often the true person that represents an organization? And those are the frontline customer-facing folks. And a lot of times they are the you know, the lowest paid, they have less training than a lot of people throughout their organization. They're not really recognized as valuable as they should be sometimes. So if they're the ones who are really interacting with customers on the individual level, then what are some ways leaders can inspire loyalty to those employees who might be marginalized a little bit, frankly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it really is the the truth that often it's this least appreciated group. In fact, the research shows that seventy percent of what creates loyalty in customers is the touch points that they have with that front line, right? And so, thirty mm-hmm. percent is everything else. It's your promotions and your pricing, but it's that it's the touch points. It's the human element. And you know, uh, one of our co-founders, Stephen R. Covey, who wrote the Seven Habits, he frequently said. Always treat your employees the way you would want them to treat your very best customer. And I think it's Mm -hmm. a bit profound because it's not just the way you want them to treat any customer, but if we think about our best customers and the the tone of voice and the patience and, and all of that, that we would want our employees to engage with those best customers and then just evaluate, is that how we are treating our own employees? And if we can shift to that, to reflect that, um, treating our employees the way we would want them to treat our best customers, we start to create a culture where people are really focused on the behaviors that build loyalty and and they feel loyalty themselves. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think there's so much to say about defining what that experience is that you want to deliver for your customers, and then putting that into terms within your organization about how do we treat one another in that way um, so that people know if 
if kindness is a value that we want to show our customers, we should be kind to one another. <laughs> like that's, it sounds so kindergarten sometimes when you say these things, but it's yeah, so it important really it really and it's is. so overlooked. And, and it's leaders, there's really almost nothing more important in our roles at, at Franklin Covey. And we work with organizations to create cultures and um, develop leaders. And ultimately we know this, you know this, that leaders do create culture. And so it's how am I engaging with my team members to not only model and teach the behaviors that create loyalty, but to reinforce them as well. And you mentioned something called a, um, a culture of responsibility. How does that tie into what you're saying now? Yeah, thanks for asking. You know, as as we um, there there are hundreds of things that you can do to build loyalty in your customers, and we define customers a bit broadly, right? This could be internal customers, external customers. You could even think of if you're a leader, your team as your customers. And we took you know all of these hundreds of things that you can do to build loyalty, and we distilled them into this framework where we say there are three principles that will build loyalty if you can anchor your culture into these three things. And the first one is empathy. Um, and empathy meaning that I can understand where another person's coming from. And I know that some of your other guests, um, Lisa Ford talked about this in an earlier podcast, about how do people feel and what's the empathy you can convey through that. Um, so empathy is the first one. The second one is the one you just mentioned, this responsibility piece. And it's, am I really taking ownership of what this customer needs from me in the moment? And the opposite of, of responsibility really is indifference. In fact, in the book, we talk about this metaphorical shrug, right? When someone kind of shrugs their shoulder at you. And we all know what it feels like to be shrugged at by the customer service person I'm interacting with. But we're saying if you want to build loyalty, you have to move away from the metaphorical shrug and really take ownership of the customer's needs. Um, and then the third principle that we talk about in the book is generosity. And with that, we're saying that if you want to build loyalty, you just give a little more, or maybe in some cases, a lot more, but you go beyond what's expected by the customer. So those are the three principles. And then, you know, within responsibility, we talk about some of the specifics, um, what you can do to exhibit responsibility as well. So I have a follow-up to that because I think it's, it's fair to say like, yes, we all want to deliver a little bit more to our customers and we want our employees and our team to feel empowered about that. But at the same time, we do have a responsibility to bring in profit, to uh, sometimes serve different organizations like our shareholders or our executive committee or whomever. We have to deliver on certain things that are sometimes counterintuitive to that kind of feeling of generosity and going above and beyond. So how do you recommend weighing those two options? How do you recommend balancing those things in order to really empower people to, yes, be generous and give a little more, but at the same time, we can't give away too much product. We can't have too much... Um, you know, when somebody calls in with a complaint, we can't keep giving everybody a, a refund just because they're unhappy if it, it's not justified. So all of those things that kind of fight each other in that idea between generosity and responsibility, what do you say about that? Yeah, great, great, great point. And of course, this is one of the areas where we sometimes have clients as we work with them flinch a bit. Just to your point is like, well, we, we don't have the budget for freebies or we don't have the budget... 
And, and our point of view is that actually showing kindness is one of the easiest ways to exhibit generosity. And in fact, generosity can often be exhibited through time. Um, and, and I think everyone can think of an example where a customer service person just invested a little more time with them. And it was more than you might have expected. And there's a generosity in in spirit, right? And in, in, in mindset that can drive. And then sometimes it might be a freebie. I was talking to an executive um, of a credit union and he said, you know, it's amazing how far our Saturday free hot dogs go. <laughs> and he said, he said, it's one of the best areas of budget that we spend when we have this free hot dog. It's a few hundred dollars in the afternoon on a Saturday. So sure, there might be places where budget is relevant, but there are other cases where, you know, I was... Um, I was picking tile for a bathroom renovation we're doing. And I was at the tile store a few weeks ago and I had found this tile that I loved. And I went to the um, customer service person and she said, okay, yeah, let, let me show me which tile you like. And, and I said, you know, this is the tile I love. And she said, you know, tell me just a little bit more about the project you're working on. And, and if we admit it, you know, her job could have been completely um, met by just getting the tile for me saying, okay, let me get you six boxes of that or whatever. But instead she just asked, you know, tell me more about your project. And she took about 15 minutes with me helping me to pick tile because apparently I had picked wall tile for the floor, <laughs> which I didn't know. Right? <laughs> and, but it would have been just as easy for her to say, Oh, great choice. It's beautiful. Let me get you that tile. But she was generous with her, yeah. not only time, but with her knowledge because she went on to explain why they're different. She walked me over to another area and said, here's the tile. This is equivalent, kind of the same style. I mean, it was so generous of her and Create a deep loyalty for me, but you know we can argue maybe time is money, so there was a cost to that. But boy, it pays out, right? Because I won't shop anywhere else anymore. Mm -hmm. Right, right, yeah. I think that's an important uh, distinction to make that generosity doesn't have yeah. to really cost um, what some might think it does. Well, it's also reframing it not as a cost but as an investment. I mean other than just the act of being generous, you know, that takes time. Mm -hmm. But that's an investment in the customer relationship. It's an investment in future growth. It's an investment because it's going to pay off later and produce dividends. Right. A cost just disappears. Well said. Yeah, well mm -hmm. said. So here's a question I have. This responsibility thing sounds a lot like adulting. <laughs> Is that the same? <laughs> Well, not the, not, the, not the same thing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That catches me. Adulting. Um, that's I, I love the analogy. And you know, it kind of flips me back to what Jeannie was saying about oftentimes our frontline are the least paid, least experienced, least appreciated, least invested in. Um, and, and yet we're asking them to adult <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> Take responsibility. But I think it is, right? I mean, it's taking ownership. And and, and I guess it is adulting, but there is also a skill to it because if I'm going to really take responsibility, I mean, the tile, I know it's a simple example, but it is an example of where she wasn't just taking ownership of selling me tile or selling me as much tile as she could. She was taking ownership of solving my need, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, she, she was, she was taking ownership of my end result, which that's, that's pretty amazing. So there is, so yeah, there's a responsibility and ad adulting side of it. And there's this skill of saying, I want to make sure this customer gets what they need. That That is hard to do unless we have a culture in our organizations, unless we're empowering our people to have that mindset. 
right? I've talked to many people who um, lead call centers, and this is a big thing, right? It's it's easy to get caught up in scripts, and it's difficult to build um, loyalty through those types of calls. But one of the things that I hear consistently is, you know, we're timing how long it takes to solve a customer concern. And if your primary KPI or your primary metric that you're measuring for your people is how long they're on the phone with your customers, it's going to be tough to anchor into empathy or responsibility or generosity. So I guess it's balancing, just to Jeannie's point about all of the um, elements of running a business and efficiency and productivity with the idea that loyal customers are deeply meaningful to an organization's bottom line and all the research shows, shows that they are. So it's balancing those two elements of are we creating an environment where people can really take responsibility, have empathy, be generous versus what are, what are we measuring and what are we rewarding, recognizing on the team? Yeah, that's a great point. And we've actually had discussions on the podcast before about those metrics and how they can kind of seep into the culture if you're not careful. And really, they they share more about the priorities of an organization than many other things that say these are our values, what you're actually tracking. Um, and so as we wrap up here, I, because we're all about cracking the code here. <laughs> yes, we are aligned. All about that. So what is one thing you would tell leaders today how can they crack this cr- this code around increasing customer loyalty in their organizations? What's one thing somebody could walk away from this podcast and think about doing? I would say what's going to be critical is, of course, an awareness. I mean, one of the most compelling parts about our research in the book is that this is behavior-based, so you can create loyalty through the behavior that you engage in and your employees. So I guess the one thing I would say is, just pause and take a little time to assess. And those three words, you know, empathy, responsibility, and generosity, maybe do a little bit of self-reflection and looking in the mirror and saying, are we, are we aligned with these principles that build loyalty or are we stuck on the KPI that's limiting loyalty? And so I would say that reflection Getting a baseline is probably the most important thing a leader could do. And and in that same reflection, asking not only in the context of customers, but in the context of my team, am I showing empathy, responsibility, and generosity with them as well? So that's my my homework assignment to the listeners for the day. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Oh, gosh, we got adulting and homework in the same episode. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. And and if people want to know more about what you're doing, where can they learn more about you and find out how to reach out to you? Yeah, you bet. So the book is, in fact, we just got news today that we hit the bestseller list. So that's exciting. Uh, congratulations. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you. So Leading Loyalty uh, is available anywhere that you buy your books. Uh, it's also got the audio version. That's probably a good place to start around this content. Um, I'm VP of Consulting at Franklin Covey, like mentioned, so I can be found at franklincovey.com as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Lena. Thank you. Such a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, Lena. And congrats on the success of the book. Thank you. Well, I don't think we'll ever truly be done talking about how to build loyalty because it changes, right? Like it changes based on the time we're in, the the time that or the phase that a customer is in, who the customer is, what we're selling, all of those things. But at the end of the day, it's all about building this emotional connection. 
And so I thought it was great that she kind of zeroed in on those ideas of empathy and responsibility and generosity, because wouldn't it be great if we all treated that, if we all kind of carried those around in our regular life anyway, <laughs> like if we were just better people in general? <laughs> <laughs> wow, we've really expanded this. Yes, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, we would make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the idea of the response, thinking of it from the standpoint of responsibility, because uh, it really, I, I truly believe that. I mean, not to get sort of sappy here, but I truly believe that like when you have a relationship with a customer, you have a duty, you have a responsibility mm-hmm. throughout the organization to, you know, not, not just provide the value that you're contracted or that the, the exchange sort of represents, but to provide a duty of care right to to mm-hmm. to treat them in a certain way to treat them respectfully to care for the needs within reason obviously within the context uh you know that they have that may be outside of the pure transaction that's a relational approach we talk about and i like the idea of using the word responsibility i don't think it's something we do enough when we talk about customer service yeah i agree i agree i think thinking of it as those three kind of cornerstones can be really helpful for anybody. So we hope that you feel like we are responsible and you can empathize and we empathize with you and that we are generous here at Crack the Customer Code. <laughs> wow, that was, that was a rough one. <laughs> well, you know, not every one of our segues lands and I've had some I've had some bad ones oh, in my on. day too. <laughs> that was pretty good. I think that was pretty good. So uh, let us know. <laughs> but Thank you so much for being here and for listening to Crack the Customer Code. We are a proud member of C-Suite Radio, so be sure to check out all the great business content and C-Suite Ra- at csuiteradio.com and csuitetv.com. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can learn more about me and our journey mapping program, CX training, and speaking at experienceinvestigators.com. And I'm Adam DePork, and if you want to win with experience, join me at customersatsick.com. We've got keynotes training, and all kinds of other good stuff. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.